Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello, this is Daryl Horn. I'm the executive director of the San Antonio Baptist Association. I want to welcome you to this edition of Sabbath Talks. This is podcast number 11 on the topic of the importance of corporate prayer. This podcast is a follow-up discussion on the Sabbath Live video of the same topic, which is corporate prayer. If you haven't watched the video, we'd like for you to go back to our webpage, which is sanantoniobaptist.org, and watch the web the, the video. That video is an introduction to the podcast that we're doing today. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast that we just released, please go back and listen to that podcast. John Butler is with us today. He's our special guest, and he is the pastor of East Rogersville Baptist Church in Rogersville, Tennessee. The church where John is pastor is currently experiencing a move of God. John previously stated that it was a divine habitation, which I think is a great term to to explain what John and his church is experiencing. They're at the end of an extended period of united prayer and fasting, and God is really moving in their church. We want to hear from John today what God is doing. And the focus really is on God. It's not on the church or the people, but it is on what God is doing. So, John, welcome today again to Sabbath Talks podcast. And as we talked a little bit in our previous podcast, uh, what were some of the key points that you mentioned in our first podcast as we begin this one? Yeah, Daryl, it's good to be back with you Um you know, I think if you sum up the last time we talked, it was really what what's going on here uh, is really defined in in three three things. Uh, that's first, a posture of prayer. Uh, secondly, an attitude of humility, and thirdly, the disi- the discipline of of fasting. Uh, you know, somebody said it. I, I can't attribute this to somebody. You can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without praying. Uh, and you know, fasting really has become a very critical part. And at least for our people, I've encouraged them before to fast. But it wasn't till recently when we were a part of the Waken Tennessee uh, that they really grasped the idea of fasting because so many of them came and said, you know what, uh, Here, the, the two statements that I've heard so many times uh, early on in this movement were, Pastor, we've never really prepared for a time of revival before. Pastor, we've never really fasted before. And those two things combined really have had a major impact on what we're experiencing now. Uh, we're, we're, we're finishing out uh, today and tomorrow our fourth week of extended services. Uh, so I guess you could say, uh, our, our four-day conference has turned into four weeks of revival. Wow, that's amazing. I know you have mentioned in the past the Awakened Tennessee materials. Could you explain those materials a little bit and how they've been important in what you're doing? 
absolutely. Um, Awaken Tennessee is not something. Actually, it's originally Awaken Nashville. Uh, a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, had had a burden to reach the city. Uh, his name is Dave Clayton. He's a he's a Church of Christ pastor. Um, I've never met him. Uh, I've I've checked out his website, and but he what he did in 2019. Uh, for 2019, early in January, he called the people there and multiple churches together for a time of prayer and fasting for the city. And they they were able to get a, na- a, a list of names of people that lived in, in the city of Nashville. And they divided those names up. So about everybody that participated got 15 or 20 names of people in Nashville. And they prayed for those people. And they fasted for 30 days or uh, like, yeah, a month. Well, it it was quite successful in the churches. I don't know how many churches were, were with them last year in that uh, endeavor, but we had heard of it here in East Tennessee because of some other relationships we've got with some other people throughout the state. And they had had so much response they decided to make the materials available to people outside of the Nashville area. And what they did was they put together a little packet and it basically had three things in it. It had a, uh, just a, a big card that had a place where you could put names of people that you would like to pray for that were lost. It had a, a one small little book that was devoted to fasting. It, it taught about fasting, why you would fast, how you can fast. And then they had a 30-day devotional. And the, the devotional is called Jesus Next Door, uh, a 30-day guide to help you practically love the people around you. So if you sign up, you got one of these prayer packets that would lead you through that 30 days of praying and fasting. Uh, we we got some, and we, we sent a truck down to Nashville and uh, basically picked up. There were well over 40,000 of these packets that went out across the state. Uh, some 1,000 churches across from, from Memphis to the Tri-Cities up in Upper East Tennessee where we live, uh, those 1,000 churches spread across the state, most of whom were in Nashville, but a lot outside of the Nashville area, decided to do well. And uh, so we got our packets. Uh, I get hundred of those packets out at our church, and our church really they they read the little their little yellow book that talks about fasting, and they began to understand. I had preached, I had preached, I had preached, and I had encouraged people to fast. They didn't get it from the preacher, but when they read that book, they bought into it. And they began to fast, and they began to pray. So, so those Awaken Nashville materials that became kind of became Awaken Tennessee because it had spread across the state uh, really had been critical for us as a church because those resources in there, the people really began to understand fasting. They could sit, hear it in a sermon, but open that book and kind of read it. It's a really short book. Yeah, uh, the fasting book I read in about thirty-five, forty minutes at home uh, in the afternoon. So it's not a it's not a big thing, but it really did a good job of communicating why we would fast to the majority of our congregation. So those materials 
really for us, I think, help prepare us for the divine visitation that we're experiencing now. It's always use- useful to have materials like that that clarify what the focus is and and how to participate. And I have looked at those online, have downloaded everything I could. Our staff has looked at them. I have uh, sent all the materials out to our executive leadership team so they could look at it. Uh, it's it's actually some very good materials. And I believe the webpage is Awaken Nashville, or do you remember, John, what the webpage yeah. is? It's a awakennashville.com. Okay. All, all so, one all one word there, awakennashville.com. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to go check out that website and take a look at the materials. They're very well put together. Uh the the it's it's easy to read, it's easy to look at. Uh John, what uh what encouragement could you give to other pastors and churches? Yeah, you know that's a good question. I've I'm 51 years old. I've been in ministry. I worked 10 years secularly before I got called to the ministry. Went to seminary and prepared, and and got out. I started a church, and then I pastored uh, three other churches outside of this. I'm in I'm in my fourth church pastorate right now. And I've only been here two and a half years. Most people say, well, you can't. Your church doesn't trust you till five years, and that might be true in some cases. God's God's done some unique things everywhere that I've been, but uh, you know, a lot of times pastors feel alone, and pastors, I believe most of the pastors have a desire to see their church in a place where I'm I'm blessed to see ours right now. I, I think that's the heart of most pastors. There's some out there that might not be that way, but I, I really want to believe that most pastors want to see God move in, in a, just in incredible ways in their congregation and in their community. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I got an email the other day from a church planner in Canada, and he asked me this. He said, what is the secret to revival? Uh, and I I I wasn't trying to be rude or anything. I said, but there's no, there's no real secret. Uh, For us, it's been a lot of prayer and and trusting Jesus. Uh, And I think when those things combined, there is, it's pretty significant. And he responded back that he was, he was very discouraged and the work there was hard. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been a, and I've, I've spent my time prayer walking communities that are, that are infested with drugs and all kinds of things. And you, you pour your life into community and that's what pastors do. They try to try to do that. Yeah, I, I say this to say, you know, what we're experiencing is really out of the normal because I've been in ministry almost 20 years full time. I've never seen it. I've been in church most all of my life and have never seen what we're seeing now. I can assure you it's not me. It's not something that I've done. It's not a formula that I've figured out. So the pastor that's disheartened and ready to quit, don't. Because it, it could be next week God changes things. You know, our church was setting, really setting on the on the edge 
of a major split three weeks before God showed up. I mean, uh, things weren't good all through Christmas and into the new year. Our our attendance had dropped. The church was heavily divided, and and I was I was sitting in the seat going, "Oh no, here we go again." I reached out to people that I know that love me and pray for me all across the nation and uh and just kind of poured my heart out a little bit to them, asked them to pray and and you know what that Sunday morning, February the second, it was almost as if Jesus walked into our sanctuary, established his throne, and he sat down, and he's been there ever since, so you know as a pastor. You have good days, you have bad days, and unfortunately in ministry, there's way more bad days, it seems like, than there are good days. Don't don't give up. If you dedicate yourself to prayer and fast, you maintain an attitude of humility. Uh, I, I think there's hope for the church in America, although I will say this. I don't know, I, and, and maybe it's just because I'm older now and I see things, but I, I can't remember a... a, a a time in our nation as I've been alive that there has been more arrogance and pride within the context of the pulpit and churches in in our nation. Our convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, is divided. Uh, you know, you can't talk to somebody. If you listen to this man over here, then you can't have fellowship with us. If you listen to this man over here, you can't have fellowship with us. We're so divided. And I think sometimes as pastors, we just need to get over following man and start following Jesus. And as we do that, uh, it seems like Jesus just wants to take over and he'll work all that stuff out. That's a good word. That's a very good word in our context. Not only sometimes is it divisive among pastors and, you know, who who you're connected with and who you're not connected with. Um, it's, it's also like that in our nation's capital. It's very Absolutely. divisive in, in our nation's capital. And as, as you've said, it's, it's got to be the church that prays for the nation. And without the prayers of the church, our nation has no hope. Um, right. Daryl, think you know, about this. We spend more time on Facebook debating politics but God didn't call us to debate politics. He called us to pray for for our, our people. I mean, First Timothy chapter two, he says, "Pray for all men, from the king all the way down to the man in the gutter." And if if we would quit, you know, evangelicals seem to trump up, and then there's a bunch that run over to the Democrats. If we just quit all that, and the church would say, "Let's just pray for all of them," what happened if if Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer all got saved. <laughs> Instead of trying to win a political debate on Facebook, if we spent our time praying for our leaders, maybe things would change. But, you know, that has to start at, in an individual life, in an individual heart, and pastors leading their churches to, you know, prayer, it cannot be overstated. Prayer has to precede revival. And if we're a prayerless church, as a pastor, listen, it's hard to get people to a prayer meeting. Uh, but I believe 
I believe if pastors would dedicate themselves to prayer, uh, maybe we need to spend three or four hours in prayer instead of three or four hours in preparing our next uh, our next sermon, uh, because God does something in the prayer closet that he won't do anywhere else. And so, you know, encouragement to pastors, uh, pray and lead your people to pray. And let's not let's not concern ourselves with politics. Let's concern ourselves with people. Yes. You know, in in our context, and I'm sure this is true across our country and across the world, churches that that are led by pastors like you're talking about, churches that pray and are led by their pastors that pray are vibrant churches. They're not church. It doesn't mean that they don't have conflict or challenges, but it does mean that they are not stale and they're not in decline, but they're vibrant churches that people, people want to experience God's presence. And, you know, people will drive across the country if they feel like God's presence is being manifest in a particular place. Yes. Now that now that you've experienced God's presence in such an impactful way, what do you feel like the future is? Where where do you go from here? You know, that, that's a that's a really good question because uh, John Avant was our 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 guest revivalist February the 2nd through the 5th. 5th was that Wednesday night. John had commitments in Florida that next Sunday, so John had to leave. And even before he left, I asked John, I said, John, I don't think we need to stop. What, what's next for us? He said, keep going. And the church said, keep going. And, and we've been asking that what's next question. Uh, as you as study revival, impacts the church, but uh, a considerable revival will turn into an awakening into the community. And if you see enough of that going on in churches, you see awakenings that happen across the nation, like our first and second, third grade awakenings, uh, like the Asbury revival in, in, in the 70s that turned into the Jesus movement and, and branched up into Canada with that great Canadian revival in the early 70s. You, you see those things. So, so what's next is a question that we really ought to ask uh, constantly. And I'm trying to figure that out for us, and, and God's leading me in some directions. But I think, you know, you mentioned prayer, and you mentioned the uh, the idea of a, a church that's praying. One of the things that impacted me uh, back in 2010, when God started working on me through this idea of prayer, I'd gotten into a small group at a ladies' conference with some men praying. And as a pastor, I was convicted because I realized that my praying wasn't like some of these ladies that were praying. And I'm like, God, something's wrong with my prayer life. It needs to change. And through all that, I ended up getting a, a video of uh, Jim Cimbala preaching at uh, one of the Gaither praise gatherings, I think, in 1994. And his sermon was, My House Shall Be a Prayer. And that, that had become a critical resource for me, and I've shown it in every church that I've pastored since then, uh, and I, I thought that they needed to see that, and they needed to understand it, because it's really, really, really powerful. But uh, 
you know, you, you also mentioned when God's moving in, in places like that in churches. You know, today, I, I've known many people that have went up to Jim Cimbala's church there in, in Brooklyn. Uh, and, and I've tried to get up there. I haven't been able to make it. Uh, because that is attractive to people that have a hunger for God. Yes, uh, it in is. The, in the last four weeks, um, well, just uh, the last two nights, there have been a family from northern Indiana in our in our service. Uh, a man from New York, a couple of different men from New York, people from Kentucky, people from uh, uh, all the all the basically all the bordering states. We've had people coming into our services. We've had people calling in, and I, I I don't know who this person is. Somebody out in California found out about this, and they found my cell phone number, and they sent me a text. Uh, they didn't list their name their, or anything. They just said, we're praying for you and what God's doing. And almost every morning I get a little, you know, the smartphones and the emojis, I get a little set of hands that look like they're praying from from whoever that is in California. Uh, so those are those are really critical. And what we want to see is, you know, our desire here is that other churches catch what's happening. And that last night in the middle of our service, one of our local pastors who's been with us almost every night in our services, but he had his Wednesday night service. He texted me in the middle of our service, and this is a very small church. He said, I had two more saved tonight. Wow. Well, in the last two weeks, he's seen seven people saved in a church that usually baptizes maybe four or five people a year in a small, small country church. So, you know, that's what's going on. And that's our desire is if we can help spread the story of what God is doing here to other churches where God might do that in their midst – we might be sitting on the verge of four states. So we we pray that way. For us, what's next really is kind of a twofold. What does that look like locally for us as a church? How have we changed our idea of, of doing church, so to speak? But also, how can we help spread and we've got to be careful. Uh, what we've seen here is really uh, we, we've tried to minimize any personality. We we don't want pride. Pride says, look at me. We don't want pride to creep into what we see going here. So, you know, you don't see my name associated with things. And we're not trying to reach out to people and say, hey, look at us and look what's going on. But people are finding out. And people are calling and requesting, hey, listen, can you pray for our church? We'd love to see revival. Absolutely. Every night in our services, we start out praying for people that have come in that day, asking specifically for revival in their church. We name names and cities and, and towns and church names, and uh, we we want to see that spread. So, you know, there's a there's a there's a a localized community component of what's next, but I think there's also a bigger component because outside of what he's doing here, I believe he's doing these things in some other places. And I just, I I really believe in my heart that we are setting on the verge of another great awakening in our country. And God is about to start connecting a lot of these dots. And that's exciting for us. 
you know, I I believe you're right because there there have been a lot of people praying that God would do something significant in our country. And as you've stated, you stated in the last podcast, at the beginning of this podcast, humility and contriteness before God is a component of that. And, you know, with our digital abilities and all of our programs and other things, sometimes that gets pushed to the side. As we close up on this podcast, could you share uh, some final thoughts with us? And then uh, after your final thoughts, we'd like for you to pray for us again. Pray for our association. Pray for our city, San Antonio, and all the churches within our city, that God among his people would begin to move and that we, too, would experience what you guys are experiencing. So if, if you'd take a minute or so, give us some final thoughts, and then close us out in a time of prayer. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, if if I could leave anybody and, and say, you know, the, the question is, how can we see this where we're at? I, I don't know. Uh, I, but I do know there's some principles, and, and I think, Daryl, you know this, and, and other pastors do too. Uh, it, you have to have the prayer. No significant movement of God has started outside of a few people praying. Uh, when I got here to Rogersville two and a half years ago, there had been a group of people praying for a long time. There have been a few people praying for 20-plus years. So, uh, you know, uh, some people said, well, we're just so glad that you're here. All this is happening because of you. It's not happening because of me. So what I would encourage is, you know, if if you've got one prayer warrior in your church, you guide them to pray for revival and outpouring. uh, And and you keep on and you keep harping on that as pastors. we need even just a small group, you know, because what we're seeing here, really, there there's six or seven people that pray weekly uh, for what is happening here. Uh, and I think that you, that, that small group has way more to do with what's going on right now in our particular church than I do. Uh, I mean, it's it's not my preaching. It wasn't John Avance preaching when he came in. It's not the Franklins and their leading worship, although all of that's been great. It really is it is the prayers of those people that have been praying for revival years. So, you know, if if there's one thing that I can say is pray, pray, pray. Uh, another thing, I think as pastors, it's good. And, and what you shared with me, Daryl, about a, a prayer emphasis coming up in March and April, I think, there. You know, I think we plan for some of those things as well. Uh, I don't think it's by accident that, uh, you know, I tried to get this revival conference. This revival conference was supposed to happen last spring. And we had some scheduling conflicts that got put back uh, to this past fall. Uh, and we ran into some issues this fall, and then it went into this February. And so uh, we've been planning some of this stuff for, for four or five months. So it's, it, you know, I think planning is crucial. Uh, prayer is the most 
foundational, most important, but planning. Uh, also, another thing that I've done, I think that helps, is telling stories of past revivals. Uh, you know, I've spoken so much about individual stories uh, from the Asbury movement because that was 50 years ago. We were kind of celebrating when we kicked off this this event. We were celebrating that 50 year ago movement that happened that precipitated the Jesus movement. And, and in my preaching for a long time, I've been telling stories of of the Ulster Awakening or the great uh, prayer. A noonday prayer meetings that swept across our country in, in 1857, 1858. And I think those personal stories of revival really communicate uh, on, a, on a very powerful and personal level to us. They think they've, they've been impactful for me. So I, I think as we pray, let's begin to plan God. We want to give you opportunity to do something, and, and sometimes that planning includes other churches. You know, for us, we've got five or six, maybe even eight churches that are participating with us on a regular basis. You know, I like the idea of an association coming together and, and setting a specific time aside to look and, and pursue Christ with everything in them and preparing for that before through prayer and fasting. I think God honors those things. When his body sets aside the differences and begins to come together, whether it's all Baptist or whether we're Baptist and Church of Christ and Pentecost or Charismatic or Methodist, I think he honors that. And, and he has here. And to be honest, our time here hasn't been defined by craziness. We've got Pentecostals and we've got we've got all kinds of people. But we haven't had to deal really with any major issue at all that normally divides us. So we've been able to come together as individual tribes, but we've gathered together for one purpose. And I think that's important when we can plan times to do that. So, you know, my encouragement is pray, but also plan times where you specifically seek God like the 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 12 tribes of Israel, there were certain days that they were going to come together for worship. And, and I think that's a good thing for us, especially in Baptist life today. We're, we're just divided. We need to, we need to find ways that we can get along instead of creating more ways that we can be apart. Uh, so with that said, let me, uh, let me pray uh, for, for you all in Sandy, uh, San Antonio and, and and just the body of Christ there everywhere in Texas. Father, uh, I thank you for for what you've done here. But God, I don't want to be selfish. I, I, I ask that you move like you are here in churches across this land. And as the churches in San Antonio are looking for for ways to see you move in their midst, Father, I just pray. I pray that some of those pastors come together and begin to pray for one another and and God that they would they would set aside pride in the pulpit and they, they would take on the the mantle of humility and the posture of prayer. God, I pray that uh, that you would do a mighty work in their midst uh, as this time of prayer and, and emphasis comes up in the next month. God, that you would that you would so move in their midst that Texas would be radically changed 
through the churches there in San Antonio. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John, thank you so much for your time sharing with us today. There's a whole lot that you've said that we need to think about and consider. And going back to the three three things that you've talked about in both podcasts, uh, the importance of praying, the importance of being humble, being contrite before the Lord, and adding to all those, adding the fasting, the discipline of fasting. Um, yes. You've said a whole lot for us to consider, and as we prayed before we began the podcast, that God would bless anyone that listens to this podcast and that God would um, <clears throat> would cause a, a, a spark of, of revival and renewal to break out in any church that that listens to what's happening where, where you're at. Once again, John, thank you so much for being with us. And if you've listened to this podcast but haven't listened to the first one, we encourage you to go back and do that. Check out the other podcasts that we have on our webpage, sanantoniobaptist.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll, we'll talk with you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom